Live from beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by a panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public service professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by Republican attorney Josh Cantro, Jim Marisi, Democratic attorney, Larry Horace, the conservative commentator who joins us from Florida, and veteran political columnist Eric Zorn, who joins us from Chicagoland. Our program coming to you tonight from our new flagship station, WIND AM 560 Radio in Elk Grove, Illinois, and our phone lines open at 1-800-723-8289. That's 1-800-723-8289. Nice to have you with us this evening. We've got lots to talk about, and uh, we're going to begin with, uh, we spoke a lot about it last week. Everybody was projecting what they thought would happen in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And uh, we have uh, two attorneys with us in hour number one. They are right across from me. One is a personal injury lawyer, and the other is a cybersecurity expert. So criminal law is not exactly their uh, area of expertise. But I want to get your reaction to the verdict and how the media played the verdict. And I'm going to start with you, Jim Marisi, making your first uh, visit to Beyond the Beltway. Nice to have you with us. What did you think of that? Well, verdict? thank you, Bruce. Uh, you know, before I begin, uh, and I have some thoughts, yeah. uh, this is Thanksgiving week. I guess this is your Thanksgiving week show. Mm-hmm. And I just want to uh, wish everybody, uh, all of your listeners and you, uh, a very happy Thanksgiving. We're, I am very proud to be an American. And Good. I'm very grateful uh, to have the opportunity to have been born and to live in this country. And, and I wish you and all of our listeners a very uh, comfortable and reflective Thanksgiving and uh, that you all have the blessings and have the time to reflect on okay. the blessings that we all share. I so, thank, thank you very much for that. I really welcome. appreciate it. And I'll speak for the audience. Thank you very much. But in response to what happened with the verdict, I've heard people, in fact, they are Facebook friends of mine, they say they're embarrassed to be an American because of what happened in Kenosha. So back to you, question number one. What is your reaction? Well, my reaction to that comment of being embarrassed to be an American is that that's nonsense. Uh, I'm very proud to be an American, and frankly, uh, the way our judicial system and our criminal justice system worked in that case uh, should be a source of pride. To Americans, not a source of disappointment or a source of disgrace. Uh, and let me tell you what I mean about that. And I, I am a jury trial lawyer. I am mm-hmm. uh, in my 42nd or now 43rd year of practice. I just had an anniversary. Mm-hmm. And I've been a jury trial lawyer my entire career. Uh, the first seven and a half years of my career, I was an assistant Cook County State's attorney. Mm-hmm. And I primarily tried uh, street crime uh, jury trials. Uh, was a first chair prosecutor at 26th in California. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now for the last 35 years, I've continued to be a, 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 a jury trial lawyer, uh, but on behalf of injured victims in personal injury matters. Mm-hmm. I mostly represent injured construction workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, it, it's, and it's been a very busy practice. So the selection so, of this jury, uh, when you looked at the ultimate makeup of it, uh, you you were okay. In other words, one went that the media tends to focus on 
they tend to identify the race. In this particular case, there was one person of color that ended up to be the part of the, the magic. Is there too much emphasis by the media on things like that? I want to I want to I want to bring uh, Josh yeah. into the conversation. Let you respond to that first, uh, and then I want to come back to how you each felt when you heard the verdict. Right. So the whole race thing, the media is constantly trying to inject race into our culture these days. The truth is, is that this county where this trial took place is 90% white. So the jury was reflective of the county as a whole. There was not any desire to kick one race out or get one race in on the trial. That's just how it worked out. The judge who the media is criticizing is a Democrat. Judge Bruce Schroeder is a Democrat. He's run as a Democrat. So the media, and Miranda Devine has a great art piece in the New York Post today about how the media got all these things wrong, how uh, Rittenhouse is a white supremacist who crossed state lines with a rifle. His mom drove him to the scene there. He was there as a chaos tourist. The truth is, is that his dad lives in that community. He has volunteered in that community. He has done first aid in that community. So the media in my view, deserves a lot of shame and a lot of blame. Okay, I want to come back to Jim and get your response just on the media aspect of it, Jim. Well, uh, I think you asked the question and, uh, about whether you, what I, we thought of the jury selection. Um, I've tried a, about 200 jury trials. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't think race really played a role in the, the selection of this jury or in the way this jury acted, and, and let me tell you why. Uh, usually when we're concerned about race, uh, perhaps, in, in selection of a jury, it's because uh, one of the parties or one or the other party uh, ha are belong to a certain racial or ethnic mm -hmm. group. That wasn't the case here. As far as I know, everybody was, was white on both sides. The three shooting victims were white. Mr. Rittenhouse was white. Uh, I think a lot I don't of think, people... Jim, but you I, know, I, don't think the, I don't think, the, va I don't I think, think the vast I, I majority don't, of people... They don't in America knew that. You took the words out of my mouth. Okay. Th they uh, don't know it because of the media. Okay. Well, let's go back to John. Well, you know, I, I, you know, I, I, uh, I get my news from a lot of sources. Uh, I try not to paint with a broad brush, and uh, and you know, when in doubt, blame the media. Well, you know, at the media, nobody in the media was on the jury. Uh, as far as I know, no media members testified. Uh, no media members instructed the jury on Wisconsin law and law of self-defense. Uh, no uh, media members were on the defense team, and no media members were prosecutors. But the media so, did so everything they could to taint the jury before this trial for the, for the 15 months between the incident and the trial. They did everything they could to taint th th this jury. And they did, when they didn't like the verdict, they did everything to criticize the jury. And throughout the trial, they did everything to criticize was it the about, judge. Was, but was, it, well, about, was, it, about was it about trying to taint the jury, or was it about trying to frame a narrative that they had about what happened, uh, you know? Both. It's okay. not only tainting the jury, it's tainting the country. It's getting the country <clears throat> stirred up over something that was a pretty clear self-defense case. They, the media, what they did to this kid, what they did to that kid in 
the Co Covington, uh, Kentucky incident. Mm -hmm. They got that wrong. They got Russia collusion wrong. They got Hunter Biden laptop wrong. They get so many things wrong that they have earned our distrust. I try not to paint with a broad brush. I read the New York Times. I read the New Yorker. I read the Chicago Tribune and the Wall Street Journal. Those are my mm. primary news sources. Two on the left, two on the right. But this was a colossal failure here, and they should be embarrassed. Okay, we have to pause. The music is a plan. 1-800-723-8029. We've already got callers standing by. We will bring them into the conversation when we roll on. You're listening to Beyond the Beltway. I'm Bruce Dumont, live from AM560, WYND, The Answer in Chicago. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. <laughs> can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 
Bruce Dumont back in segment number two. Uh, Jim Morisi, uh, who is a Democrat, joining us this evening. Uh, he wanted to follow up on something that was said in the last segment. Go ahead, Jim. Well, I, we, I think we ended the last segment with, uh, with Josh uh, going off on the media and, and quite a litany. Of, uh, you know, I don't attack the media. Uh, I am, uh, and I'm, I'm sorry that he has attacked the media. Um, I'm not sorry at all. They deserve. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that Tucker Carlson or Fox News deserved it, deserved Josh's tirade. Uh, but I will say this: I think that this undue focus on the media on, and on both sides of the political spectrum does a disservice to all of us because we are all in our little silos, listening to only what we want to hear, mm-hmm. and most of it red meat from one side or the other. Uh, and uh, that's just driving, well, it, it, it's already driven a wall between Americans. And that is uh, not something that is good for our democracy or for our society or for any of our families. So, 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 so I, 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 I think that Jim is agreeing with me. He's talking about the media driving societal problems. I don't watch uh, Tucker Carlson, by the way. I don't watch Fox News. Again, I read the New York Times and the New Yorkers, two of my primary media sources. But I'll say this. What the media did in lying about Kyle Rittenhouse is, is disgusting. It, 95% of the coverage against this kid was negative. He was mm-hmm. called a white supremacist. The mm-hmm. president of the United States on the campaign trail alluded to him as a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. He, 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 so there's, I, I think we, we will all agree, maybe you will, I mean, we, don't, we don't have a defamation lawyer here, but doesn't everybody at this table believe that this kid is going to get some lawyers who are going to make a case against all the major networks yes. that certainly are left of center networks, and they're going to make a case, and they're going to they're gonna try to have a big payday like uh, the kid from uh, uh, Covington, Kentucky had. Absolutely, okay. and, 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 he, and he deserves that, but it, it would have <clears> been better... Ha- had it not gotten to that point to begin with. Had the media just let the judicial process play out and not made this about race, and frankly, Jim is right to a certain extent. The right-wing media got too fired up about this, Mm -hmm. from what I've read and heard, and adopted this guy as a hero. I'm going to say something Jim will probably agree with. I don't agree that I went on a rant against the media, but I'll say this. Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been in Kenosha that night. And he shouldn't have been there mm-hmm. with an assault rifle. It would have been better had he stayed at home. It would have been better had all, a lot of those rioters and looters, all of them, stayed at home as well. Would it have been better if the judge had not thrown out some lesser charges? Because there are many people who agree with what you just said, is that he should not have been there. He should, should not have been there with a weapon. If he was there with a weapon, he used it for self-defense. The verdict has already come in on that. Right. But uh, should he get some penalty for doing something? Because does this not enable vigilantism or other people at other points saying, you know what, I'm going to go to this rally or there's some disturbances out here. I'm going to take my gun. And it could be someone left of center or someone right of center. Well, I, 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 want, want, I want to get Jim's response just to that. First. Oh, Bruce, I think you're, you're spot on with that. I mean, you know, what's the next escalation? Everybody who goes to a, a peaceful, uh, a, a, goes to a protest, uh, peaceful or otherwise, is going to go uh, armed. I think that's ridiculous. We've seen some of that, uh, not so much uh, on what 
what Josh would describe as the left, but we've seen some of that with some of the neo-Nazi groups, some of the uh, uh, far right, the alt right. Um, you know, but this but was we've a, this seen was from a, the left wait, rioting excuse me, excuse me, and looting. Yeah. Let me, let me, That's what we've uh, seen from me, the left. Okay, we, we have, we have seen not, that. Go ahead. I'm going to try not to interrupt Josh. Okay. I, I, it, it, it's just I that you're talking a lot a more. Trial, I'm, I'm crisper trial, in my responses, just, just and you're talking a lot more. And, I mean, I'm going to get my airtime. You're going to get your airtime. I'm going to try to give everybody an equal amount of airtime. We're going to go back to Jim, and then we're going to go to calls because we have some callers already. Jim, finish that point, and then we're going to move on. You know, as a trial lawyer, I allow everyone to say their piece, and I don't want to talk over. Thank you for that sanctimony. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want to talk over anybody. Um okay. And I never talk when the judge is talking. So Bruce, okay, you're kind well, of the judge. But but um, Jim's rules. You know, uh, Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> it was a tragic situation. Everything that happened at Kenosha, both before the shootings and after the shootings. Uh, I don't condone rioting or looting uh, at all. I I do very much support uh, the right to protest. Uh, there was a time in, in our community here, in uh, the village of Skokie, where uh, Nazis were allowed to march through that, at that point, predominantly, mm -hmm. almost entirely Jewish community mm -hmm. in the name of the First Amendment. Right. I may have not liked their message. Frankly, I was only a teenager at the time. But uh, I recognized their right to express their, their hatred. Um, this but was also, in the, but in this the, was a tough case in, in let me yeah. finish this. This was a tough case in Kenosha. There were no winners, and there were no heroes. Kyle Rittenhouse is not a hero. Kyle Rittenhouse should have been home. He, he was, you know, I'm not going to label him a tourist, uh, a, a terrorist. Violent, ter tourist, no, uh, what's the term I've heard? Uh, um, a, uh, Terror tourist. Con, chaos tourist. Chaos. Chaos. That's it. Thank you, yeah. Josh. Uh, I'm not going to label him as such. He was 17 years old. He had a gun. He shouldn't have been on the street. I think the other people that were there, I, I'm not sure that they were the greatest of actors. And I don't think they should have been out on the street. Yeah, yeah I, 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 police, I would say that the, 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 the three alleged victims, should, the, police, the police okay. should have been maintained. Yes, and, the well, the, and the can, we all, can we all agree on home. that? That the police did not do a very good job of maintaining order that night? You know, the, the, on all sides. I mean, the the, the the police were confronted with these rioters and looters that were happening across the country, and that was just one another night in America. And the governor and was slow in bringing. And in the, the governor guard. didn't want no. to bring in the national guard. But Bruce, you made a point earlier, and perhaps about, the governor right, should have. Go ahead. But you you made a point earlier about the judge dismissing all these charges. The judge only yeah. dismissed one charge. Yes, right. He dismissed the gun charge because he thought the statute was poorly worded, and it was. I looked at the statute; I couldn't understand what they were trying to do. Yeah. So he wasn't going to leave that in the hands of the jury. But I said this; I'm going to say it again. I want everybody on this program to understand my point. I agree with Jim, and I said it. Kyle Rittenhouse shouldn't have been there that night. Okay. That was not a good decision. Let's go to calls. We have a full board of lights. Let's go to Joy. Let's head to the north. Uh, uh, or the uh, west, uh, northwest, and let's go to Spokane, Washington. KXLY is the station. Joy, uh, nice to hear from you tonight. Hi. Um, you know, you the speakers towards the end actually kind of made my comment is that, um, from my standpoint, looking at this case and at the Aubrey case, I just find it so scary and um, that... 
they just um, people on the street feel like they need to take law enforcement into their hands. And you find that with Aubrey case, they were going to do a citizen's arrest. And a young black man ends up dead. Mm-hmm. Um, or someone, uh, a young man thinks that he needs to protect some property. And you mm-hmm. end up with two people dead, another injured. And, um, and if one of those other people, that's the second person, uh, or the, the third who had a gun, if he felt threatened by um, the um, the person in the case uh-huh. and um, Kyle house, if he had felt threatened and he had shot and killed Kyle, he could have pleaded self-defense himself. Um, and so I just Perhaps, think right. it is so I'm, I'm dangerous. Okay. And to, the, to the vigilante. Right. Joy, uh, Josh, and then back to Joy. Because I, I, I think she, I think she makes a good point, <clears throat> except that it, it, it's not congruent. The left throughout the summer of 2020, what do we hear? Defund the police, defund the police. What is that going to lead to? That's going to lead to vig- vigilantism. So if you're for defund the police, you ought to be for vigilantism because somebody's got to protect the property and the lives and the communities that are getting hurt by these rioters and looters. They did billions but of dollars I don't, of damage. But in this case, I don't know whether, any, whether the police department in Kenosha was defunded or not. Was it defunded? I've never heard that it was defunded. Except no, they when, when you hear calls for defunding, really you have people, with, uh, you have people naturally right. reacting in this way where they feel like but they... Calls, but also, calls for defunding the police, which have been popular in progressive causes and in, in, in street demonstrations, the number of politicians, the number of Democratic politicians that have gone along with that is not... It's not massive, and it's not unanimous. We, oh, we have a liberal not. mayor in Chicago who does not believe in defunding the police. Under, and, under, there are, and there are other Democrats who have been elected who don't believe in defunding the police. It was an unfortunate phrase used by someone, and the, 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 the political right was brilliant in being able to pick up that statement and, and, and turn it around and really jam it down the throat of Democrats. I've got to move on. Joy, thanks very much. John in McHenry, Illinois. Go ahead. You're on Beyond the Beltway. Hello. John, just are you there? The county line from, um, just across the county line from Antioch, which is where Kyle Rittenhouse yes. was his last hometown. Right. And we followed this very closely, and... Um, the media definitely bears a lot of responsibility for just some of the of the dog whistles. I mean, every time I hear traveled across state lines, that's a dog whistle. Every, every American can travel across a state line, and Rittenhouse lived less than a mile from the state line. Um, he's being he was called. I mean, by members of Congress um, after the verdict on Friday, after the jury had done its job, did its due diligence. They call him a white-fueled, hate-fueled white vigilante, and this is just... John, do me a favor. John, stand by. We've got a break right now. I've got a commercials coming up. Stand by. We're going to come back to you, put you on hold, and give you the rest of your quarter's worth of commentary when we continue. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. You're listening to Beyond the Beltway, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and around the world. 
145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor, check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. We continue with segment three of the On the Beltway. And in segment three, we ask all of our guests, before we get back to John and McHenry, and we will get back to him, we ask our guests to share a moment, give us about 15, 20 seconds of uh, their background. And we begin tonight with Jim Marisi, who makes his uh, first uh, visit on this program. Jim, tell us a little bit about your background. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, I grew up in Chicago, went to Chicago Public High School, DePaul University, Chicago Kent College of Law. I spent seven years as an assistant Cook County State's Attorney prosecuting uh, uh, mostly street crime. And uh, for the last 35 years, I am uh, 
a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer representing mostly injured construction workers, um, plumbers, pipe fitters, uh, uh, iron workers, uh, and so on. Um, and, uh, you know, I grew up at, uh, in, in, the, in the Lane Tech area, mm -hmm. went to that public high school, played sports at the Neighborhood Boys and Girls Club, uh -huh. and uh, I'm just and you very consider, proud to be part of this community. And you consider yourself, by the way, in, in, in reaching out and, and chatting with you before uh, we invited you to be on the program, you describe yourself as a moderate Democrat. You're not a progressive Democrat. You don't like the use of that word, even though you're progressive on some subjects. Uh, a question that I have for you is, of all the, and I'm going to ask the same thing to Josh, sure. of all the uh, disciplines of uh, jurisprudence that you could have focused on, you went from being an assistant uh, state's attorney as a prosecutor, you chose personal injury law as defense. Why? What was it about personal injury law that attracted you? Well, I, I like trying uh, jury trials. And uh, my area of practice uh, is uh, probably the, the place where you can try more jury trials. Uh, it was, these were decisions I made, you know, 30 plus, 40 mm -hmm. years ago. Uh, so I tried a lot of cases as a Cook County Assistant State's Attorney. I've tried a lot of cases in uh, the Circuit Court of Cook County, uh, courts all around uh, the uh, Northern Illinois and, and the country uh, on behalf of injured individuals. Um, and what made me move into that was, uh, you know, the wanting to do that, wanting to try cases, but also, and it was an easy transition because I always felt like as a prosecutor, I was wearing the white hat, uh, kind of redressing crimes against society. Um, and now I'm doing kind of the same thing, redressing wrongs and injuries against individuals. Judge Cantrell, you're a longtime regular guest on this program, so a lot of people know a little bit about your, your background from New Orleans and, and, and Tulane and, and things of that nature. You can repeat that, but also I want to begin with the same question to you because I've never asked. Of all the areas of focus that you could have within the law, uh, you chose technology, you chose uh, cybersecurity, uh, you, you chose very specific things. Why? Well, I um, started out doing uh, maritime law in New Orleans wow. and then uh, moved up that's to pretty, Chicago to do, to do that as well. <laughs> um, and then I got sent off after I finished a couple of big uh, maritime trials. I got sent off by my firm to London for about a year to work in the Lloyd's insurance market. And there, in the early 2000s, I helped them develop some of the first cybersecurity technology and technology insurance policies, and that's how I got into that this kind of work. Um, so it's been a really interesting area to be in. With all the ransomware attacks going on right now, it's just been incredibly interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I consider myself to be a moderate Republican, um, uh, and I enjoy uh, blogging about politics. I have an active Facebook blog and uh, being on the show and writing in. You uh, were not an original Trumper. I was not. I was. I was close. You to have become a very supportive Trumper, but yeah, I, I would say that I was. Uh, I moved from a never Trumper to um, somewhat in the middle. I w I'm not an always Trumper. I mm -hmm. supported a lot of his policies, but mm -hmm. I was on this show criticizing some yes, of his were. policies too. Okay, that's why we like to have guests like that. Uh, let's go back to John in McHenry, Illinois. John, you were uh, making a point. To summarize your point, we'll try to give you an answer. Okay. Okay, just uh, just the same of the dog whistling code words like yes. protesters. I mean, the 
legal protest ended at 8 o'clock that night in Kenosha because of the curfews. So any 801 forward would be um, lawlessness because nobody should have been on the streets. Kyle Rittenhouse should have been on the streets, and no one else except law enforcement and official first responders. And I guess when the media points out a couple demonstrators or a Black Lives Matter protest or just protesters, that is disingenuous because civil unrest is probably the best way you can describe it because no one should have been on the streets. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to pillory Kyle because they, people are, are a false narrative that no justice for um, the men who were shot. And that's just completely wrong. And hopefully yeah. the, the gentleman can comment on that. You, you made a good point, And I just want to underscore one point is that in this particular case, Whenever anyone orders a curfew, and it happened all last summer and the summer before that, where people avoided, they, they, it went in one ear and out the other. No authority should ever call for a curfew if you can't enforce it. And I think we had cities all over the United States, including Kenosha, Wisconsin. They said one thing, and they were not there to back it up. I think that's a great point. You shouldn't call for a curfew if you can't enforce it. But if you do call for a curfew, the caller is right. Anybody out on those streets after that is a lawbreaker. Right. Jim? Well, uh, you know, uh, I forget the adjective uh, the caller, John, how are you, John, uh, used to describe Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse wasn't put on trial for any of those reasons. He was put on trial because he shot three people. Um, And the jury decided that uh, it was a... It was a uh, an excusable homicide, um, and that was the jury's decision. You know, from everything I've heard, this jury <clears throat> took their role very seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the beauties of a, of our jury system, is that when the twelve people get together, and especially a jury like this that spent about four weeks together, the mm-hmm. twelve of them, they really meld into a uh, uh, into a fact finding uh, kind of of group. And, and they lose a bit of their individuality. They really meld as a jury. And there's, in my experience, I've tried over, uh, nearly over 200 jury trials, um, nothing gets past them. There are things that juries think of, or we talk to juries, jurors mm-hmm. after the, the trial, and they mention things, and I'm, I'm like, wow, boy, ooh, I, did, I didn't think of that. And my opponent, you know, sometimes we talk yeah. to jurors together. Uh, so I think that the, the people who uh, go to jury service, uh, uh, should be applauded. I, I've never met one person who, after jury service, said, boy, that was the worst thing I ever did. I'm so sorry I did it. They all think it is a, a fantastic experience. Many of them try to get out of jury service mm-hmm. on the front end, but by the time they, they listen to the evidence, they, they spend the time in court, they deliberate with their other jurors, they mm-hmm. come to a verdict. Uh, I've never uh, encountered one juror, and I'm talking about a pool of several thousand in, in my personal experience who was uh, upset or sad that they had to be a jury a juror most mm-hmm. of them uh, really appreciated it yeah i but, think also go ahead yeah uh, i i was just going to say it's really refreshing to hear a democrat uh praise the jury and and talk about the jury and and the service that they did in this case this was a diverse group of jurors from a political standpoint because this county is pretty split it's a split county so there's no doubt that you had progressives and moderates and some on the right on that mm-hmm. jury. And they came together, and people talk and they criticize the jury because it took them four days. Well, you know what? That's fine. 
That, yeah. that, that is no problem. They were deliberate. Who was in a hurry? There's no hurry. This kid's life and yeah. these and, and, and the people he shot deserved a fair hearing, and, and I think they got it. So all of these media types and the celebrities and politicians that are criticizing the jury, I mean, none of us heard what they did. Okay? Right. N nobody. You're right. You're right. Nobody did. Right. And so we and nobody sh nobody should be in a hurry to get a verdict. I mean, after all this time, you shouldn't there there, there shouldn't be some building pressure, uh, which is what a lot of the media not too much in this case, but you know, four days wasn't exactly you know you know a long long time. But again, uh, there there was the pressure that was going on. The other thing in this case, this is about what you don't you know what you didn't know or you learned later. But you didn't know during the trial, and that was that Joseph Rosenbaum, he was the one, according to the testimony, he is the one that used the N word. Wow. Now, usually in this day and age, if you use the N word, you're the bad guy. You certainly are the bad guy insofar as the media is concerned. So, what brought him there? Why did he use the N-word in that particular case? I have not heard that he used that word. but That was part it, of the testimony that, by, by Rittenhouse. Yeah, anybody least. that does use that word deserves to be shamed in, in, right. in, in everything that, that happens there. But Joseph Rosenbaum, we also know, was not a good, was a troubled person. Right. Okay. All of these. Um, but that people. was not germane to the case. No, that's f fair enough. And again, is it germane to in the court of public opinion, Jim? No, I don't think I don't think it is. I mean, uh, uh, I, I I don't think there were any winners out there that night. Yeah. And frankly, I don't think any of them should have been there, okay. uh, including uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. OK. Uh, and, you know, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse shot three people. What should the prosecution have done? Uh, they, they just ignored that. Yeah. Well, sorry. Too bad. Uh, no, they needed to prosecute. I I don't want to weigh in on the charges. I wasn't part of the prosecutorial team. Uh, some people suggest they overcharged uh, and bit yeah. off a little more than they could chew. That sometimes is uh, uh, something that we see in, in certain trials. Um, uh, I think the police uh, did, a, a, did a pretty good job in Kenosha. I wasn't there. I didn't follow every minute no. by minute. Some think that the National Guard should have been brought out. Maybe that's correct. Uh, I, I don't think that most people, include, and most Democrats, the vast majority of Democrats, the people in Minnesota, who's a very Democratic state, voted down in Minneapolis uh, defunding the police. we got to pause. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly. Many Thank do you, on your side. Thank you, Bruce. Today, millions of people all across America are building a life in recovery from addiction and mental illness, helping themselves and helping each other with friends, family and community lending their strength and support. Join the Voices for Recovery. Together, we are stronger. For 24-hour free and confidential information and treatment referral for mental and substance use disorders, for you or someone you know, call 1-800-662-HELP. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, I'm Dr. Nia Hergaris with today's tip for kids from the American Academy of Pediatrics. 
As parents, we want our children to grow up healthy and strong. That means helping teens take responsibility for their health as they become young adults. One way to do that is to make sure they have one-on-one time with their pediatrician. That helps them become comfortable talking about any health issue with their doctors and with you. So make sure to give your teen a voice. It's good for their health. For more on teen health, visit HealthyChildren.org. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont, we continue with Beyond the Beltway, and uh, let us go to calls again. Let's go to Tom, listening to us in Youngstown, Ohio, on line three. Go ahead, Tommy. Good evening, Bruce, and another great program. Thank uh, you. I'd like to ask your attorneys, you, you know, even if this kid walks away with millions of dollars, his life is going to be headaches. I mean, I think back to the uh, Atlanta Oklahoma, uh, Atlanta Olympic bombing situation, the security guard, I think jewel. back to the uh, Wilson, the patrolman, and uh, Ferguson. And I really think that what's needed here, uh, I'm sure you folks recall uh, Listerine, for decades, generations, mm-hmm. said that it killed the germs that caused the common cold. Well, the government came back and said, no, you, it, you can't prove that. You got this in the American psyche, and the only way you can resolve that is, and I think they spent a year or two years or something like that with advertising over and mm-hmm. over again. Yeah. And I, I tend to wonder if the media, because they're going to keep doing this because it's sensationalism and it makes money. But if they had to take airtime repeatedly or print space repeatedly with corrections and explaining how they were wrong to their viewers or their mm-hmm. readers, 
I, I think that it would only take once because they'd be losing a lot of money. And then they would start to get back to reporting and being factual. And that's across the board, whether it's political, whether it's this type of situation. You know, the only thing racial about this situation, the only racing that was going on was the defendant trying to get away from the mob and the mob racing to try to pulverize this kid. Mm-hmm. Tom, I, I think you raise excellent points. And I to your first point, I mean, we, I think you're really asking, where does Kyle Rittenhouse go to get his reputation back? Just like where did, could Richard Jewell go to get his reputation back? And so many others that the media have defamed. It's very hard. Monetary damages can only do so much. But they can make what I think right now is going to be a very difficult life for this kid a little bit easier if he's got some money to, to, to help him along the way. But ultimately, the media has got to be held accountable. And that's through monetary damages. That's through front page apologies. That's through a lot of things that need to happen so that we get some balance back mm-hmm. in this country. But I, I don't think that necessarily is going to happen because the, 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 the widespread focus that has to be made on American media, and you can choose which side you're on, but I'm going to say the same advice. You've got to go to the sponsors. You've got to go to the sponsors and make a list of the sponsors that sponsor these newscasts and sponsor these news networks, and you've got to make a big deal about their politics and what you don't like about it. I mean, look at what people have done to Mike Lindell, my pillow. Okay? Yes. Because he's all over Fox. The left in this country have made a big deal, and they've gone after Mike Lindell, and they've hurt him financially. The conservatives in America who really are upset with MSNBC or NBC, they've got to go to the sponsors of these programs and put pressure on them so that the the look of Lester Holt News changes and MSNBC changes and CNN changes. I mean, look at the the companies that own these entities. You, you, You pay your Comcast bill, guess what? It's going to the same company that writes a check for Lester Holt. That's right. And MSNBC. And, and Joy Reid. And Joy Reid. Who, well, who's well, got to go? But, but the same thing can be said for the right. In other words, all, all this public mood about who's been canceled and who's not been canceled and who's out there putting pressure, all that appears to be coming from, again, either the left or some entity that's putting pressure on a conservative either network or, or conservative company. You need that same type of pressure that's going after someone who is sponsored by someplace else, whether it's Ben and Jerry's ice cream or y- you name it. I mean, it's got to happen. It's, it's got to happen. And it's the only way for it to happen. It's not going to happen with marches in the streets. You gotta, you, you, someone's someone's got to walk up to the president or uh, you know the CEO of, of NBC when they're grocery shopping on the weekend and start confronting them face-to-face why they put, uh, put up with uh, Chuck Todd and his you know, propagandizing on the news. Well, you know, Bruce, I, wow, kind of <coughs> surreal here. Uh, and I'm really not a First Amendment lawyer, but I seem to recall something about freedom of the press. And I don't know where you want to start drawing those kind of lines. And frankly, I think some of the uh, comments that you've made and some of the comments that Josh made are kind of dangerous. Why? Uh, because we don't we don't tell the press what to write. We don't, if the press has malice and and can, can be proven in a court of law in a defamation case, then they they pay damages. 
Uh, do you want to censor the? Who do you want to censor? You want to censor Fox News? You want to censor? We're not talking about censorship. That's exactly what I'm talking about. about. And Bruce, you're talking about having people in grocery stores go up to the presidents of corporations while they're doing their shopping. Oh my God! Uh, We just we just spent an hour talking about. Vigilante who shot two, three people in, I'm in not Wisconsin. I'm talking about that, but I'm talking so about. Please, you've got to, you've got to tone it down a little bit. We're all Americans. T- tone here. it down. And it's your have, side that is doing the cancel Wait a minute. I don't There's no sides It is your side. There are no sides here. I am an American. I'm okay. an American citizen. I have varying views. I'm on an American subjects. citizen too. Good. For the record. Wonderful. Okay. Okay. Jim. Okay. You but Jim, when, you, when you talk at about one at a time, I'm going to respond. One at a time. One at a time. Josh, and then back to Jim. Okay. When he talks about censorship, that is just incredible. We are talking about malice. We are talking about lies that were told about about this 17, 18 year old kid that he's a white supremacist that w- was repeated that he was there to go kill Black Lives Matter protesters, that he crossed state lines with, a, with a, uh, an assault rifle. We are there to, that, that, is not, that is not honest reporting, that is an agenda. And if you want to talk about, you, you, you're concerned that, that we're um, making, uh, going against the First Amendment, which is not true at all. Look at what the left has done okay. in terms of cancel right, culture. Well, let's go back to Jim. Well, you know, uh, when people on the far right are failing in their arguments, they go to the whataboutism. Well, I'm what not about on the far right. right. Why, 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 I am not on the far right. Just a second. I thought the, I was the not judge recognizes Jim more easy. <laughs> go ahead. Thank you, Your Honor. I appreciate Thank that. Thank you. Um, all I'm saying is uh, the freedom of the press is not to be abridged, and not to be abridged by the mob culture either. Okay. We have to break. The judge is calling a recess here at the moment. <laughs> So go back to your corners. Uh, we have another full hour coming up. And in the next hour, we're going to be joined by a couple of people out there uh, via Zoom. Uh, one is Eric Zorn, formerly the Chicago Tribune, and the other is Larry Horace. They'll be back and join our group here in Chicago. I'm Bruce Dumont. Don't go away. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly. But we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work 
but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Rooster went back with hour number two. And before we go back with our guests, let me just mention that uh, uh, Ron Babcock of Chicago, he's a regular uh, listener and viewer of the program. Uh, he wrote this note, which I just want to put on the record. Should Rittenhouse have let the crazed criminals set arson fires, destroy property, threaten anyone who wasn't one of them, and loot stores, even though his father, grandmother, and friends lived there, and he worked there? Should Kyle have just stood there, watched, and done nothing like the people that witnessed the murder of Kitty Genovese did? And then he asks, doing nothing only encourages and emboldens evildoers. So my question to everyone is, this is the opposite side of whether or not this encourages vigilantes. I mean, this is some guy who uh, went out and did something and... Uh, is paying a price for it, although he's not going to prison. That's the question. We welcome uh, to this microphone, uh, we welcome Eric Zorn, who for many years was a columnist for the Chicago Tribune. He is now an independent uh, blogger, and he's going to tell us about uh, his new venture in just a moment. But also Larry Horst joins us. Eric joins us from Chicagoland. And Larry Horst who is a longtime operative, Republican conservative operative in the city of Chicago, joins us from his uh, retirement palatial home in Florida, and uh, he joins us as a conservative commentator. Gentlemen, you, I think, uh, know each other, so uh, uh, you don't know our in-studio guests, Josh Cantro and uh, Jim Marisi, but uh, we welcome you uh, to this portion of our program. And, uh, Eric, I want to begin with you because uh, uh, it was September 3rd of uh, last year, uh, where you predicted uh, in writing a column for the Tribune that you thought that Kyle uh, Rittenhouse would be found not guilty. So I guess you weren't surprised by the result the other day, but uh, why did you think it was going to happen uh, a year ago and uh, your reaction to it uh, tonight? Well, I thought the verdict was accurate in terms of its application of the circumstances and Wisconsin law. Mm -hmm. And anyone who watched the videos, watched carefully those videos and tried not to let themselves be too poisoned by their feelings about uh, <clears throat> lots of auxiliary aspects of that, of the, of the protest and of, mm -hmm. the, of the people who were there guarding the property, could see that self-defense 
was uh, definitely applied that the Rittenhouse's claims that he was being attacked and was in fear of great bodily harm or death were legitimate. Now that doesn't mean that you got to say like he's a hero or we <clears throat> we want more people with guns going out and and patrolling streets during during chaotic times, but it just seemed like a a pretty obvious the first shooting when he shot Joseph Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum w was running after him, hell for leather, was grabbing for his gun, wasn't stopping. And that's that's self-defense. You know, it's like mm -hmm. and then and then when you've got a bunch of people chasing you down the street, yelling cranium him and kicking at him and, and hitting him in the head with a rock. Uh, he, again, I think there's a legitimate claim that he made and the jury believed and that I believed at the time and still believe, which mm -hmm. was that he felt like he was in fear of death and great bodily harm mm -hmm. and he had a right to exercise self-defense he also had a right uh, apparently under wisconsin law to be carrying that gun it was he was carrying it legally even though he was under 18 but even if he wasn't carrying it legally he still had a self-defense claim i thought they were mm -hmm. going to get him on the gun charge that the judge yeah. dismissed but he, he had the right to defend himself and he was under attack and it, it doesn't matter that it was ill-advised of him to be there walking around with a gun he didn't know how to use mm -hmm. and saying he was a medic when he wasn't all those things are just atmospherics i've heard over and over again from people like he crossed state lines he went up across state lines yeah. well, so what yeah he, he worked in kenosha yeah. you know it's like and, the, and the, the way that people are obsessing about minor details in this case and not looking at the facts in evidence and the law and realizing that you don't have to love this acquittal, but it was in accordance with the law. I think the jury made the right decision. I want to come back and follow up on some of your points, because some of your uh, progressive uh, fans from years ago, they might have just uh, driven off the road because they might have expected something different. <laughs> but again, we're going to come back. I want to bring in uh, Larry Horace, who spent many years in Chicago. Larry, what is your, uh, I want to kind of focus the question to you on, what do you think happens next? What, what, is, the, uh, what is the lesson learned from the Kyle Rittenhouse trial? Well, first I want to say I was surprised by Eric, too, because I totally agree with him. And I've written several commentaries predicting he mm -hmm. would get, uh, you know, acquitted based on the hard evidence, the hard evidence. But I think uh, if he had gotten convicted, I <clears> think uh, there would be no such thing as self-defense. It would have been uh, you couldn't have one. So I think this is a, you know, perfect self-defense case. And all the details overwhelmingly suggested that it was self-defense. I think what we take out of this, or it depends on who you are, I guess, what you take out of it, but I think we can take out of this that the justice system works. You know, when this country saw what happened to George Floyd, everybody, Republicans, Democrats, everybody saw what happened, and we got a conviction. Everybody saw what happened. In this case, we got an acquittal. And I think in the every, every case, we're going to get another conviction. The justice system is not operating on racial grounds but a lot of people take out of this as this is licensed for some crazies on the right wing to go shoot up everybody and that's a dangerous talk what i hear on television I, I i'm actually shocked by it i'm shocked by people who are supposed to be intelligent would be so biased and, and provocative telling people that they're going to get gunned down now because rittenhouse got acquitted uh, and so what I take out of it is we're moving in a bad direction if that dominates the public discussion. Josh Cantro has a question or comment for each of you. 
Yeah, I, I would just say, Larry, a, amen to everything you, you said, that uh, it, it really does concern me how um, this case became larger than what it really was, which was just the self-defense case. And uh, folks on the uh, left and, frankly, on the right wanted to make it something else, um, mostly on the left, I would say. And I would just say that, although I've never met Eric Zorn, I've read read his columns for 30 years or however long you were writing them. And as a Republican, I have to say I'm shocked that I just listened to what you said and I agreed with every word of it. And um, <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> All right, now we'll get back well, let to Let me say, I followed Eric yeah. for many years, many years, and I've disagreed with him, but he's also, you know, been, said a lot of things I agreed with yeah, him. Yeah, no, he's, 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 he's been... Uh, thank you, guys. I, I like to <laughs> think that I, when I look at these things, I, I, I look at them, you know, I try to come at them as neutrally as possible. No. So like, what yeah. are the facts here? What's the law? If you want a fair trial, and, and uh, I think we all want fair trials for mm -hmm. everyone, then you have to apply the law based on the evidence, and you can't bring in all this all this other stuff. And, you know, Larry, I don't think I agree with you that the justice system works as well for black people as it does for white people. I, I don't agree with that. But but that doesn't mean that we should give a white guy a crappy trial and and, and judge him on atmospherics rather than on the facts and the evidence. Should so, the me so, you, uh, you know, somebody should the raised media, a good point. Why did this trial become so important? Are, are you familiar with Andrew Coffey? Am Andrew Coffey just is a black fellow who just got off on a uh, self-defense. He, uh, he was in a situation, his house was raided. Uh, he sh shot at the police, they shot him, his girlfriend got killed. They charged him with attempted murder and murder in the case of the girlfriend, although she was shot We've by got the a pause. Uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think everybody's, I don't think everybody's up to date on that. We Why, do but, have to nope. pause. We've got a pause right now. Everybody no, take no. a breath. We're going to a commercial <laughs> break. I'm Bruce Dumont from coast to coast and border to border and around the world at beyondthebeltway.com. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. 
After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom. Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back, and uh, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, during the uh, break, uh, uh, some news came to us about a, an incident uh, involving a SUV uh, driving through a holiday parade uh, in a small uh, Wisconsin town. It was not Kenosha, but uh, Josh and Jim have both looked into it. So, Josh, what, what uh, do you, news do you have on it? Yeah, it says that uh, 20 were injured when an SUV plowed into spectators at a parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Um, it happened at uh, 4.40 local time, which is central time. And um, the police have uh, confirmed the incident. Um, and it appears that um, there is a big investigation going on sure. right now. Jim, anything further that you have? Um, no. Uh, there okay. has been no information as to uh, whether this is an act of malfeasance, an act of terrorism, or maybe just somebody losing control of their car. Mm -hmm. um, it'll remain to be seen, but obviously our thoughts and prayers go out right. to all sure. of those affected. Uh, Eric, I want to go back to you because in the last hour, uh, we were talking a lot about the media coverage and what the media, how the media covered this. As a as a longtime journalist and as a believer in the in the First Amendment, wh what grade would you give your fellow journalists in how they covered the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, incident trial uh, for the last year and a half? Well, I, th I thought the mainstream media, I thought the Chicago Tribune, my former employer, the Washington Post, New York Times, presented in their news pages fairly comprehensive reports fairly early on about what happened and what didn't happen there. I, I think that the that the partisan media did a very poor job and, and continue to do a poor job in amplifying irrelevant facts and in, in whipping people up into thinking. Uh, I, I think it was, was it Josh who said earlier, that that this was it was a self-defense trial this was a self-defense case uh, and that's pretty much all that it was and 
a, a lot of the things that got injected in there, so a bunch of false. They, they, people kept saying that his mother drove him, drove him and his right. gun to Wisconsin and dropped him off at the protest. Well, this is not what happened. And and responsible media outlets were amplifying this. And I, I could say I don't know why, but I do, I feel like some of these these media outlets just fell right into their partisan silos and wanted to make more out of this than than should have been made out of it. This was this was a kid who wandered into this protest thinking he was going to be a hero. He found himself under attack. Mm. He used a gun to, to ward off mm. an attack. That was what happened here. This wasn't mm. this wasn't some big social thing. And this is why I've been I've been sort of dismayed at the contention that this is a really meaningful case. It was certainly interesting. Yeah. I, I paid as much attention to it as I could, given what, other things I'm trying to do. It was interesting, but it wasn't. Eric, let me ask. I don't think it was meaningful. Let, let me ask. What, what is in in your view or how can you comment and I, I want to get Larry's response as well but I want to start with you Eric because it, it's a media related question uh, how has print journalism responded to the expanding interest many Americans have in partisan cable television as as the as Fox News has grown and has obviously CNN hasn't grown much, MSNBC hasn't grown much, but although they are a competitor. But if you look at those three, has that caused print journalism uh, to react in any way? And if so, what way? I don't think so, because print journalism is in such a, a difficult spot right now financially. So mm -hmm. that it's like you think, well, how they are they expanding their their opinion coverage in general not in general we've, we've had we've had we had a whole bunch of columnists including including me who left earlier this year and mm -hmm. in a buyout as the paper is, is shrinking under uh, under the ownership of a hedge fund so you're, you're not seeing as as much in the way of local opinion offering uh, i i don't i think the answer to that question is that that they're not really able to respond to that because they don't have the resources to respond mm -hmm. to that um so you're not seeing a whole bunch of extra, you know, new columnists coming in or or, or more extreme columnists. I, I don't I don't see that happening. Larry, I, I, Larry, what do you think of this? Okay, this time I'm going to disagree with Eric. I think there's been a merging of these two. I think the cable television has been drawing print uh, media into the same kind of partisanship and one-sidedness. And what I cite is how many of the Post and the New York Times correspondents aren't contributors on MSNBC and CNN. As a matter of fact, every show has print journalists on it, columnists, you know, and Gene Robinson on, you know, on Morning Joe. All of these people are now getting double payrolls, and they're being paid by the cable television while they're being paid by the, uh, the others. And they're getting a lot of notoriety. So you've got guys at the Times like uh, Tom Friedman, who just, I would call him just an outrageous radical. And he now appears on television besides being mm -hmm. in print. And I think it's backwashing into the print uh, journalism. Is, is that, but you're talking about Friedman and you're talking about Gene Robinson and, those, and, and all these people. These are pundits. These are opinion writers who are getting extra money. Yeah, I mm -hmm. wish I had been able to get on that gravy train. But <laughs> yeah, I had a sure, call me too. Uh, that uh, that would have been nice. But, but, but they're still uh, with the newspapers. They're still, they, were, they were basically print guys <clears throat> who are now 
putting one foot in each camp. Josh, well, no, no, Josh Cantrell. I Cantrow, totally agree, but, they, but guys, Josh has got to start with, and they've been opinion journalists all along. So, Josh, uh, Josh has got to comment. They, are there beat reporters who are doing that? Josh has got to comment. Josh. Yeah, I, I was just going to comment to Eric that um, I, I found his comments insightful, but I, I do just disagree, and I agree with what Larry has pointed out. Mm -hmm. And would just ask Eric what he thinks about his uh, former colleague Rex Hupke, who has been writing columns for the past year, basically uh, castigating uh, Kyle, and has contributed to a lot of misinformation, and basically has called him guilty. I'm, I really don't want to get into talking about yeah. former colleagues, people I used to work with, uh, yes. but I will say that I, I will say that I think some of the partisan commentary on this has not hewed to the facts the way I would have liked to. <laughs> been huge too mm -hmm. and i think some of this stuff about uh that I mean, well, here, here's another example of something that I, i've read a lot in a lot in some of the commentary which is kyle rittenhouse had no business being there this is what i heard i've read this over and over mm -hmm. again yeah uh, i don't know if rex wrote that or but i know, I know people have we've and heard it tonight kyle on this rittenhouse show had had as much right to be there he had as much business being there as the protesters who were throwing rocks through car windows and setting fires and dumpsters and so on. He had every right to be there. He had every business to be there. I don't think it was smart of him to be there carrying uh, AR-15 around in a very chaotic zone, but he had every, he had as much business being there as anybody else who was there. Uh, so, I mean, those, those I, I are would, the kinds of things that got, that got uh, said way too much for my test. And he had strong ties to the community. To the trial. It was irrelevant that he was there. They keep talking about it. But he wasn't even chargeable for being there because it was right. perfectly legal. Right. So those who wanted to pay, they debate that in the court of public opinion where there's no rules of evidence. Uh, that's what's happening. What you see what happened in court was proper. <clears throat> Gentlemen, I, uh, as the court of public opinion judge tonight, let me go to David listening to us in San Francisco, wants to join the conversation. Go ahead. You're on the airline three. Thanks, Bruce. Um, and your guest. You know, I remember the old Joseph Conrad book, The Most Dangerous Game. And mm -hmm. we've got two of those trials, uh, you know, right in this last week. Uh, we've got the uh, Ahmed Aubrey one as well as the Rittenhouse one. Uh -huh. Going out and hunting people, hunting humans. And uh, you remember, uh, you, most of you all are old enough to remember when the James Bond movies came out in the early 60s. Mm -hmm. And the idea that a guy could be given a license to kill. That was a heavy deal, uh, the, the license to kill. And, and so now all of these private guards are demanding a, pri a license to kill. It's not even a secret agent anymore. It's the security guard down the street. So it just shows, you know, the, uh, the uh, reduction of the uh, human standards and how they're being... Uh, uh, David, where do you where do you get where do you get the evidence that security guards are demanding uh, to be armed and to the teeth? That's that's oh, not, I, if that's I, a I, phenom I'm if calling... that's a phenomenon, I've missed it. Has anybody heard? I, I, from... I've never heard of that. I'm calling you from San Francisco, well. and you remember just a couple of weeks ago, everybody was hopped up about the little shoplifting uh, sprees mm, yeah. that people were going through. So now when I go to a Walgreens, I see people armed to the teeth. I see they're packing so much crap, it's just amazing. You mean, you you mean the security that, guards? Yeah. 
Okay, well, and, we and also the know, by the way, the one thing we do know is that in San Francisco, which, again, has received a lot of publicity over the last five years about the deterioration of that city and its public security, but also we know that uh, Walgreens has closed many stores, I think it's over 25 stores, in San Francisco because of the crime. So uh, well, you, live in a, you live in a crime-infested city, unfortunately. It's coincidental to the idea that all of the stimulus money has been cut off and the epidemic continues. So it's, it's not just in San Francisco, it's all across the nation that crime sprees are happening because the stimulus money has di- dried up because Mitch McConnell and the Republican skin, skin flints don't want to uh, do uh, okay. some proper resolution to an epidemic, right. and they want everybody to get out there and get sick and die. That, 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 that you is are, just you are, He is so uh, off base. You are, you are so a off little, base. You know, first You're of all, a little you know, out there tonight, uh, we're, we're Dave, talking so about thank you very much criminals, for calling. And we're going to pay them more money so people don't commit crimes. That's nonsense. Al in Lake Forest, Illinois. And I want to make this yeah, one go real ahead. point. Go ahead, Larry. We have always had the right to use lethal force and self-defense. It's a thousand-year-old legal tradition. So there's nothing new about that. Guards have it. You have it. I have it. Everybody has a right of self-defense and using lethal, lethal force in those situations. When we come back, we've said hello to Al in Lake Forest, Illinois. We will hear his voice when we return. I'm Bruce Dumont, 1-800-723-8289. Thanks for joining us tonight on Beyond the Beltway. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, You should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 
180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont back. Uh, segment seven coming up on Beyond the Beltway. Uh, we're going to take a moment now and let each of our guests who join us via Zoom tonight to take a moment and tell us a little bit about uh, who they are and uh, what they're up to now. Uh, I mentioned uh, Eric Zorn joins us. Uh, again, if you live in the Chicagoland area, actually he was syndicated for many years with the Tribune for uh, almost four decades, uh, but certainly one of the leading journalists in the history of the city of Chicago joins us. He recently left the Tribune, and uh, uh, like everyone else, you're reinventing yourself uh, using the new media. Uh, so Eric, tell everybody uh, where they can find your, your wit and wisdom these days if uh, they're looking for it. I, yeah, I left the Tribune in June when the hedge fund uh, took over, and mm-hmm. I've set out on my own. I'm doing a substack. Uh, it's called the Picayune Sentinel, and Picayune. it's a grab bag every week of commentary on the news and, and other fun stuff. I do a thing on amusing tweets that I find on uh, other things mm-hmm. like that. So so it's so sort of like I say, it's a grab mm-hmm. bag, the Picayune Sentinel, and uh, just Find that online and sign up, and I'll deliver it to you every Thursday morning at 6 a.m. Okay, and they can also look up at Eric Zorn as well, but the Picayune Sentinel, Picayune like the newspaper in Louisiana, the Times-Picayune. No, the, the Times-Picayune exactly. yeah, does yeah, not exactly. exist anymore. Does not, well, it exists within uh, Eric Zorn's journalism. That, that, that's career. great. <laughs> also, we should mention that uh, we go back uh, many, many years to the beginning of this program, Eric Zorn and I, uh, when he was with the Chicago Tribune. Uh, but we spent a lot of time, and, and for many years, you were sort of a very frequent guest on this program. And again, uh, it's been a while, but it's nice to have you back uh, with us uh, via Zoom tonight on Beyond the Beltway. And also a frequent guest on this program many, many years ago. We started 43 years ago, and that's Larry Horst. Uh, used to be a very active uh, Republican in the city of Chicago and uh, is now retired to Florida. But, uh, Larry, tell everybody a little bit about uh, what you're up to and uh, your life of enjoyment in uh, Florida. <laughs> well, first of all, I retired to devote myself to writing. Okay. So I write now about 35 to 50 commentaries every month, wow. uh, mostly for Punching Bag Post, which is an online conservative site. I'm also finishing a book on race in the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. I'm finishing a screenplay. I'm finishing a child's book. Uh, I'm just doing almost all writing right now. Uh, I'm not so active in the political politics mm-hmm. other than what I write about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, you know, I miss Chicago. You know, my days heading the city club, and I, I, I always think back on that fight to save the Chicago theater. 
And I also have to think back at the time I got beaten for mayor by a guy who really was a clown. Right, right. You, that's right. You, you ran for mayor of the city of Chicago and uh, <laughs> Ray Wardingly, the late, the great, I think he's late and great. Ray Wardingly. Uh, <clears throat> nice, nice to have a you real, a real. When I called my opponent a clown, I was not being that's insulting. Right. <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this question. I think uh, Eric uh, and everybody will, may want to weigh in on this, but certainly um, this case is not it's it's not about race but again many in the media have always tried to to bring race into discussions whenever there's uh, disturbances in the in the country uh larry i'm going to share with the audience uh, some things that uh, you were involved in that uh, i think you have a very unique perspective but uh, you have adopted and you have raised uh, uh and your wife uh, you have raised uh, several african-american children and I'm wondering, as someone with one. that sense, not several. Okay, one. okay, one. Uh, but but for a long time, what sensitivity oh, would yeah. you bring? What sensitivity would you bring to a discussion of race relations uh, and how to make them better in America, given the climate we live in right now? Well, you know, I, I raised a daughter for what 40, 40 some years uh, as part of this family, and really, you know, intimately part of this family. And uh, she has, you know, uh, gone on to, you know, great things. And actually, I lost a grandson in, in Afghanistan. Her son was killed in Afghanistan. So I, you know, I'm, I'm very empathetic to, you know, what, uh, you know, the black experience in that. But what I really did is, you know, at the beginning, it was never to a racial thing. Uh, she was a babysitter. She had some problems at home with an abusive stepfather. We had a rescue from the house, and we basically, you know, made her part of our family. Um, and it's never been a, a race thing uh, in our family. Um, I didn't see a lot of misery in, 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 you know, being that close to someone who's black. Um, but, but, you know, there was a lot of sometimes humor because, you know, she would point to somebody, you know, she said, oh, here comes my dad. And they would all look past me looking for her dad, you know. So there, there was a, it was an interesting experience, but it, 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 uh, it didn't really have a racial implication to anyone in our mm -hmm. family. And she was embraced, and it is embraced and loved by everybody in the family. Eric Zorn, to you, because you've covered this subject uh, over 40 years of journalism, are you optimistic that race relations in this country, are they better than they were 10, 20 years ago? And are they likely to be uh, better in 20 or 40 years from now? I think they are better than they were. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, certainly 30, 40 years ago. I, I think that we have made significant progress in, the, in those areas. I think we have a ways to go. But, uh, um, but yeah, it's, it's just, and this is, you know, I, got, I have to always preface this by saying this is the experience of a 63-year-old white guy looking at, at society and saying this. I, I'm, I'm not, probably not the guy to ask about this, but, mm -hmm. but my sense is that although we have a ways to go, things are, improving I'd, I'd be interested in what the views are around the table here jim what do you think you know um, i thought i'm going to get jim's response and, and gonna, josh's uh, response go ahead jim well I, I think certainly uh there are in some areas uh greater opportunities for people of color i don't think that exists in all areas i think that has improved uh in my lifetime i'm a little bit older than eric um and yeah we, we have some some ways to go 
Um, I think maybe you should, yeah, we're, we're, I think everybody on this panel is uh, are white men, uh, probably in our 60s or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. uh, so other people would obviously have different perspectives. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think opportunities have increased. I think, you know, I think our the root of a lot of our problems in this country are more economic than they are racial. Um, it's just my my feeling, my gut feeling. I, I mean, there there are poor blacks in our in our community uh, that have uh, more in common with uh, uh, some poor uh, whites and poor rural whites, mm -hmm. uh, city blacks, city uh, <coughs> city um, poor whites and uh, and rural uh, poor blacks. They all have more in common with each other than they do with with you know the couple of lawyers here on the on mm -hmm. the panel or the couple of uh, renowned journalists um, all of which have had a different experience and so I, I think the, the issues in our country are would be better served by addressing them from an economic uh, standpoint than from a color standpoint and if we stop if we ever stop litigating the Civil War I think we can get on with doing uh, what our uh, responsibility of citizenship requires mm -hmm. and to make this country better. Josh. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to find myself uh, agreeing with, uh, with, with Jim here. I, I know we had heated debate earlier in the first hour, but... Uh, well, that's because uh, you were wrong earlier. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm, I'm teasing, of course. No, no, I know. But, but, but I also will, will uh, echo what Eric said about it is like we're a bunch of uh, guys in their 50s and 60s uh, who are white guys who are talking about this. And uh, one of the things that I, I want to do is I, I do have some uh, uh, two friends uh, who I consider to be close friends who are black, but I need to expand that. Mm -hmm. I need to expand that a lot. Let's go back to Al in Lake Forest. Al, we... Uh, we teased that you were going to be on. What comment do you have? Well, I have a, a question for the uh, attorneys. Sure. Um, and for anybody else who wants to weigh in. Um, uh, since the verdict, um, which, I, which I agree with, um, there has been talk of uh, the families of the uh, deceased uh, people and uh, Greg, uh, however you pronounce his name, I was shot in the arm, uh, suing Kyle Rittenhouse uh, for wrongful death, personal injury. Um, and then there's been some talk of bringing, uh, uh, getting the Justice Department involved and bringing a civil rights action against uh, Rittenhouse. Mm -hmm. So what do the attorneys think of the possibilities of uh, that of that litigation? Okay, let's start, uh, let's start with, the other let's start with uh, Jim. Jim, go ahead. Well, I think there very well may be a lawsuits in that regard. Uh, Josh expressed his thoughts that there may be some lawsuits against the media that may come to pass, may not. Um, I, you know, the standards are very, very different in a civil court versus in a criminal court, mm -hmm. uh, and the stakes were much, much higher. So the stakes in in the Kenosha trial that just concluded were you know, or liberty, maybe for uh, for life. Mm -hmm. um, and nobody goes to jail uh, in the civil courts. Uh, uh, we try to, as best as we can, compensate people who've been wronged uh, uh, with financial compensation. Um, so if Mr. Rittenhouse uh, does receive some type of compensation from some uh, potential uh, uh, defamation case, um, he very well might not hold on to that 
compensation for very long. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but I don't know. That's all very speculative. There are two different standards. Beyond a reasonable doubt in criminal case, that's what was applied here this past week. Uh, in a civil case, it is what's more probably true than not true. In the case of the uh, gentleman who lost his arm when he had his his arm was uh, blown off by Rittenhouse, uh, he was the one that had the Glock that brought the Glock to the demonstration or the protest. And he's the one that, again, allegedly, according to the testimony, uh, pointed it at Kyle Rittenhouse's head. Uh, with that as a fact, at least according to the, the final result, uh, would that make it difficult for him to win a case? You know, it I, I wasn't in court. I haven't yeah. heard the witnesses. I think they were pointing guns at each other uh, at the time. Uh, so I don't know. That's why we have To answer Al's question very quickly, anything's we possible. We've got to wait. Anything yeah. is possible. I'm Bruce Dumont back shortly. But I'd like to expand. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. A My Social Security account allows you to access your earnings history and benefits information, request a replacement Social Security card, get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? <laughs> it's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, I'll tell me what to do. Cannonball! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. <laughs> can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay? 
isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Bruce Dumont, we are back. Dave in Spokane, Washington. We're going to go with you on line one. Uh, We've only got uh, a few minutes left in this segment, so talk fast, Dave. Hey, thanks for taking the call. Um, As far as winners or losers, yes, there was a winner. The winner was the right to self-defense in the Second Amendment. And people are out there saying, well, your vote matters. If you don't like the result, you need to vote to change things. Vote to change what? You know, the the Second Amendment and your right to self-defense mm-hmm. are correct the way they right. stand. There's no changes needed. Um, the other thing is, you know, the freedom of the press we talk about, it affords many protections. And I think it may be a little too many protections of the press right now because the big thing going into that is we need to define what is press. Because, honest to God, the TV, what you watch on most of these stations, you know, CNN, MSNBC, especially lately, uh, they're just like TV versions of social media opinion. That's all they are. They're not news or press. Uh, I mean, Tim Russert is rolling over in his grave that Chuck yeah. Todd is running that yep. not, uh, show. I mean, this is just craziness. Uh, and the media always wants to make things about black and white, black and white. Even the Zimmerman case. Zimmerman was called a white Latino. I mean, how about report things like, like in the Aubrey case? How about report three men, tra- you know, trailed another person, got an altercation, and shot that person, not three white people and a black person? I mean, that just it incites things even further. Uh, it drives me crazy. And they're talking about you're looking for trouble by by wearing a gun well actually it's the exact opposite if you're wearing a gun and you're just walking around which is your right to do that should minimize trouble because a sane person does not go after someone when right. has a gun strapped to right. them i mean that's just idiotic the motto here is that he was looking for trouble don't bring a skateboard to a gunfight <laughs> we've got to move on exactly. Let's... <laughs> okay we're going to go to Thanks. robert in sacramento you know, california ktkz go ahead robert Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was calling in response to the man who was talking about uh, security guards wanting to arm themselves. Yes. Um, CVS and Walgreens have been closing down pharmacies in San Francisco because of the petty theft laws that have been changed. So if you steal $900 worth of merchandise, you walk out. Even if the cops show up, if they caught red-handed, they give you a ticket, which no one ever shows up for. People go. There are stories about people stealing uh, aisle after aisle worth of clothing and Tide Pods and all that, running out the doors with, with shopping carts. They just count up 900 bucks for the stuff, throw it in the car, run like hell. Well, it's happening in Chicago as well. We've we've had a chain of, uh, of purse snatches, more than snatches. I mean, you know, robbery, daylight uh, robbery at major stores. Uh, and, and it all flows Gucci. from these... Um, uh, prosecutors who come in and say we're not going to prosecute. Edward in line five from Chicago, go ahead. We're able to get three calls in this segment. Go ahead. Are you there, Robert? Edward, rather. Edward, can you hear me? I can. Go ahead. Okay. So there, there needs to be a a news blackout on there. You had a somebody attached to the NBC uh, station following the jury. I mean, that's a no-no right there. Well, it was a no-no, and the judge was aware of it, and he reprimanded uh, MSNBC. It was uh, someone that worked for MSNBC, and and you're right. They should not have done that. Uh, but again, uh, in the world of journalism, everybody is trying to get a leg up on, on the competition. So uh, 
Any 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 caution that you would make, uh, Eric Zorn? I want to go back to you and Larry to get your last word on it. Any caution to the media for the future, Eric? Well, I, I would say that when you have a situation like this that is so complicated, to remind people that this case not only was it just a self-defense case, but it was a case with a, a whole lot of you know concatenating bad decisions made by a bunch of different people there on that on that scene right. and it is it, it's a it's a one-off it's not something that is that is all that meaningful but it is very important if you're going to be doing stories on this to be to be very factual explain exactly what happened exactly what the law is exactly what the evidence is going to be so that people when, when they do react you don't have to agree with this verdict to say that you that that the justice system worked the way it was supposed to mm -hmm. work here, and and we shouldn't be be vibrating with anger about it. You can be disappointed, but I don't think there's a cause to be to be furious about this because I I do believe that when you do take a look at these facts, that you realize that yeah, it's not a satisfying thing for a lot of people, but the law was followed, and that's the law we have, and it's mm -hmm. and, and the system, the justice system we have is is a good one in general. Larry Horst. Right, but I, 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 th I think uh, the media is a huge, huge problem because I think they're, they're, they're perpetuating these false narratives and people believe them. I have friends who are very intelligent. They watch MSNBC all the time and they don't know anything about any of this stuff. They only know the narratives. They know what, the, uh, what I would call the propaganda, the one side, the brief for the prosecution, if mm -hmm. you will, whatever you want to call it. And if you're going to be in journalism... That means you tell the facts, and you also give some balance. There's two sides to a story. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you watch something like Joe uh, Scarborough in the morning. He'll have eight, seven, nine, ten people on his show. Every one of them have the same viewpoint. Mm -hmm. Every one of them. Right. Once in a while, he gets a minor change. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it just, it, you know, I think it's the collapse of uh, television, you know, well, cable news journalism. Well, well they, no also, they also they also have no all, the, all the cable all the, the cable is no better. All all, all all let me just say Fox News, all, no, Fox News. all Wait, the Fox News is infinitely better. All the cable. I've studied this. All, all person the, for person, they will have two sides on during the day. Yes. Now mm -hmm. they've got the you know they got the guys in the evenings you know kind of Tucker. I don't really particularly watch them because I don't like that one sided type thing. But on MSNBC, that's all day. That's what they pass as news. If you watch the news on uh, during the day on Fox, you'll get different stories, and they'll often have two legitimately uh, opponents and proponents on the same debate. I I agree I, agree I I agree so with I, that, I but I I, balanced, no, I, I, I I would agree with that, uh, and I watch them all. But I would say that the other thing that uh, I think everybody should do is everybody has lots of time. They literally have time. To take the time, it may be five minutes, it may be seven minutes, to have an attorney or some expert on who's explaining the law. Why do we wait so late to find out what the state of Wisconsin, what their law is about carrying a, a weapon? Why do we learn that when we're waiting for the jury verdict? I mean, we should have known that on day two. Because you weren't reading my column. <laughs> well, I know, but I'm saying... <laughs> I had that in my column Well, I know, but, but, yep, but Eric, my point is, my frustration CNN. is, you, you, are, you are correct, and columnists have always had the, the permanency to put something like that down. But again, for all the people that make decisions of what goes on those cable channels, for no one, to basically, to, just to have you on and read your column, it doesn't happen. It does not happen. On that note... 
Uh, it is the yeah. Picayune Sentinel. That's for Eric Zorn if you want to find him. Larry Horst, thank you very much for joining us. Josh Cantro and Jim Marisi, I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night. adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. 145 over 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke. My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life, but I'm going to make it better. I'm coming back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.